Well, hello, and thank you for joining us again. My name is John Clark, and this is the Jazz Focus Podcast. We are interested in shedding a little bit of light onto uh, very small corners or narrow corners or small pockets of jazz history and jazz recording history. Today, we're going to be talking about a wonderful clarinet player, one of my very favorites, actually. His name was Edmund Hall. He was from a little town called Reserve, just outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. He was born in 1901, and he was known as a uh, New Orleans-styled clarinet player, whether you call it New Orleans, traditional, Dixieland, whatever. That was where he had most of his fame and probably did most of his recordings. Um, He was also known in the 1940s as an excellent swing player as well. Benny Goodman at one point cited him as one of his very favorite clarinet players, and it certainly wasn't because he sounded like Goodman. Uh, He didn't sound like him at all. He had a very um, driving, rough... uh, sound that he used by choice. We'll hear that in just a second. But I think it was because of his technique and his swing that Goodman really appreciated what he was doing. So we're going to concentrate primarily on the recordings that he was doing in the 1940s for Blue Note Records. Blue Note Records was known as a jazz label from its very beginnings in 1939. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, The recordings we're going to hear today are, for the most part, uh, a little bit longer than commercial recordings were uh, being made at at that point and on 78s. Usually for jazz and popular music, 78s were issued on uh, 10-inch discs, which held from two and a half to three minutes worth of music. Blue Note, for some reason, thank goodness, uh, decided to uh, put a lot of their music from this period out on 12-inch discs, which allowed the musicians to stretch out a little bit more and could hold up to about four minutes, or even a little bit more, up to about four and a half minutes of music. So some of these performances capture a little bit more of the spontaneity and the jam session atmosphere uh, of probably live dates and clubs and things like that than uh, a commercial recording might otherwise. So... uh, Uh, This is a a good thing and a good way to study this type of music. So a little bit uh, about Edmund Hall. He was born, as I said, in Reserve, Louisiana in 1901. He was born to a very musical family. Uh, His father was a uh, player who had played in brass bands in New Orleans and had toured around quite a bit. Uh, There were four boys in the family. I think there were some girls too, but all four boys were musicians and all four ultimately played woodwinds, clarinets, and saxophones. I think I forget the order, but uh, it was... uh, uh, Clarence and Edward and and Herbert and Robert. So Edmund Hall actually did not begin playing on clarinet, or begin playing clarinet, I should say. He was a guitar player first. Uh, He didn't start playing clarinet until his brother, older brother, introduced him to it in uh, about 1918 or so, when he was 17 years old. And he picked it up very quickly. Apparently he did not have any uh, formal training on the instrument, which is kind of surprising given how accomplished he became on it and the fact that he made his living uh, for probably 10-15 years uh, playing in big bands and swing bands that used arrangements. He must have learned to read pretty well at some point, and he certainly learned to double on saxophones. He left some very fine recordings on baritone saxophone, uh, one of which is on a podcast I have that is devoted to uh, the Frankie Newton and Pete Brown uh, partnership of the 30s, and some of the recordings they made under the title of the Uptown Serenaders in 1937 featured Hall on both clarinet and baritone sax. And baritone sax is uh, an instrument that he was featured on quite prominently in the early 1930s with the Claude Hopkins Band. Uh, He played with that band from 1930 to 1935 after having come to New York a couple of years earlier and played with a lot of 
of the B and C level uh, Harlem bands, like those led by Billy Fowler and Charlie Skeets and so forth. Uh, before that, he was playing uh, in New Orleans and uh, related areas. He toured around the Southwest a bit, made it to Texas and Florida and different places uh, with bands that were led by cornetists like Chris Kelly and uh, Lee Collins and Buddy Petit, who were all about his age. Uh, at some point in the late or mid 1920s, 25, 26, he found himself in Florida and playing with a band led by a fellow named Alonzo Ross, and it was the Alonzo Ross Deluxe Syncopators, uh, and he played with them for a year or so and made his first recordings in Georgia uh, with that band in the late 1920s before coming to New York. So his uh, real claim to fame, or first claim to fame, was playing with the Claude Hopkins band. As I said, they were very widely recorded. They played at the Savoy Ballroom. They played a little bit of a different style than most of the African-American big bands at the time. They uh, were a little quieter. They played more subtle music, although they could play hot at times, certainly. Uh, and there were some very fine musicians in that band as well. And Claude Hopkins was a good songwriter, too. He composed, among other things, uh, I Would Do Anything For You, which was his theme song. Um, the uh, Hopkins band with Hall recorded frequently during that period. They even made some radio transcriptions and they were in a Vitaphone film that you can see uh, if you check it out on YouTube. So after that association, Hall went with some other big bands. He went with the Mills Blue Rhythm Band in 1936, although uh, he's not usually credited in the discographies. He probably was on several of the recordings and probably can hear some of his solos too. He went with Billy Hicks and his Sizzlin' Six in 1937 and recorded with, uh, with uh, Midge Williams uh, with that group. He, as I said, played with Frankie Newton for a while in 1937. And then he devoted most of the rest of his life to small groups. Starting about 1939, he was playing with Zooty Singleton and then later Joe Sullivan on 52nd Street. Uh, from 1940 to 41, he played with Red Allen, Henry Red Allen, um, in a group that kind of uh, had one foot in the, in the traditional jazz world and the other foot in the jump bands of the late 1930s and early 40s. A uh, very interesting little group there, made some fine recordings. And then from 1941 to 44, uh, Edmund Hall played with Teddy Wilson uh, in his group that was playing in some different uh, locations on 52nd Street. And uh, he looked back on that as the happiest time of his musical life. He really uh, enjoyed playing with Teddy Wilson, who of course had played with the Benny Goodman band in the mid-30s uh, before going out on his own with a big band. And uh, he later went back with the Goodman band, which caused the breakup of the band with Hall. Hall took over some of the personnel and led that band uh, under his own name from about 1945 till about 1950. Uh, he spent a good part of the last couple of years of the decade in Boston. He had a very big following uh, there, and he played at the Savoy Cafe frequently, and there are a lot of radio uh, air checks from that establishment, too. He also played in New York on the This Is Jazz radio show uh, that Rudy Blesch put together, and he was on quite a few of those. And then uh, after that, in the 1950s, for the first half of the 1950s, he was the house clarinetist at Eddie Condon's club, playing with the Condon groups. Then he went with Louis Armstrong's All-Stars for about three years, which he said exhausted him to the point where he had to take a break. Uh, he and his wife moved to Ghana in Africa in 1959 for a few months. They were hoping to start a new life there and get away from racism in the United States and also start a teaching and playing career, but didn't work out quite that well, and he ended up back in the States by the 1960s. He uh, spent, uh, I think, most of the 60s based in Boston. Uh, he liked Boston, and uh, he lived in Cambridge. He actually passed away shoveling snow in front of his house in 1967, uh, but used Boston as a base of operations, going out touring with the Dukes of Dixieland and Eddie Condon, and going to Europe several times, including some uh, making some very fine recordings with Papa Boo's Viking Jazz Men in Denmark. 
So, in all of that time, he was very frequently recorded, often in a traditional jazz setting, but as we will hear in some of these recordings coming up for Blue Note, he was an exceptional swing player and had a, a much more broad outlook than your average Dixieland clarinet player, I guess you'd have to say. So we're going to start with uh, a few tunes from three different sessions. We're going to do one from, uh, let's see, uh, May of 1944, May 5th actually. This is Edmund Hall's Swing Tet, and it's an unusual group that is really more of a jam session type of group. Uh, it features an unusual front line of Benny Morton on trombone. He was a fine African-American trombone player who played uh, with Fletcher Henderson's band. He played with... Um, uh, briefly with Don Redmond's band, went with Count Basie's band for a few years. He also played in the Broadway pits in the 19, late 1940s and 50s. He was a very, very fine musician and a great soloist as well. Edmund Hall, of course, on clarinet. Harry Carney was on loan from the Duke Ellington band playing baritone sax for the session, and this allows Carney to really stretch out on some solos. He was not given the opportunity to play a lot of long solos with Ellington, but here he makes up for lost time on the two tracks that we're going to hear. Don Fry is on piano. He was a, a denizen of 52nd Street and was actually the original pianist with the uh, uh, John Kirby sextet back in the late 30s, mid-30s. Everett Barksdale is on guitar, Alvin Jr. Raglan on bass, and Sid Catlett on drums. And the two tunes that we are going to hear are um, Steeman and Beeman, which is a fast blues, and I Can't Believe That You're In Love With Me. And both of those feature solos all around and uh, a nice loose texture that really uh, uh, shows good spirits in the studio. I think. Then we're going to go uh, to January of 1944 in a, a kind of an unusual session, Edmund Hall's All-Star Quintet. I'm only going to play one tune from that session, Blue Interlude. Um, three of the four tunes that were recorded that day were blues, and um, I guess they were just in that sort of mood. And this is the slow blues that they recorded, and it's really very affecting. And it features wonderful solos from Edmund Hall, also from his erstwhile employer, Teddy Wilson on piano, Carl Kress, an excellent uh, white guitarist who was playing sessions all through the mid-40s, and uh, we heard him on a podcast of the Manhattan Masters some time ago. Uh, he was on guitar, Johnny Williams on bass, and Red Norvo playing vibraphone. Of course, Red Norvo and Teddy Wilson were soon to go, if they hadn't gone already, with the Benny Goodman uh, band, and they uh, sort of revamped the Benny Goodman sextet in the mid-40s. Red Norvo had had his own band um, all through the 30s with his wife uh, at the time, Mildred Bailey, as being the featured member there. And then we're going to finish up that set with a with an out-and-out out Dixieland number. Sorry if you don't like the term Dixieland, but these musicians tended to refer to themselves as that, and very often the bands were called Dixieland bands, not in this case. This band was called Sydney to Paris's Blue Note Jazz Men, and it features a front line of Sydney to Paris on trumpet, Vic Dickinson on trombone, Edmund Hall on clarinet, that was kind of a house front line. They appeared on several different recording uh, sessions, and we're going to hear at least one more coming up, and they had a, a, a really fine sound as a, as, as a three-piece front line. They are backed up by the great stride pianist James P. Johnson on piano, Jimmy Arthur Shirley on guitar, John Simmons on bass, and Sid Catlett on drums again. Uh, Simmons and Catlett were quite a team. They had played with the Louis Armstrong big band for a while before they both went with Benny Goodman for a very brief period and decided that they didn't like Benny Goodman, and Benny Goodman didn't like them particularly either, so they went back with Louis Armstrong, but they uh, provided quite a, an exceptional rhythmic cushion. And the tune that we're going to hear is an old favorite called Who's Sorry Now? So those are our four tunes for the first set. Steeman and Beeman, I Can't Believe That You're In Love With Me, Blue Interlude, and Who's Sorry Now?
Bye. <laughs> 
So that gives a pretty broad spectrum of the types of music that Edmund Hall was playing. We started out with a very straight-ahead jam session uh, approach to the two tunes we heard, Steamin' and Beamin', and I Can't uh, Believe That You're In Love With Me, featuring great solos by, of course, Hall, but also Harry Carney, just really on a, on a, on a businessman's holiday there from the Ellington Band. He really cut loose, as did Benny Morton um, and Don Fry on piano and... Uh, Jimmy Arthur Shirley on guitar. So, very interesting group there. So then we went on to Blue Interlude, a very slow, uh, dreamy blues, really, uh, with Teddy Wilson and Carl Kress and Red Norvo all featured, and uh, Edmund Hall playing some very beautiful, uh, slow, uh, intense clarinet playing there, too. I misspoke a moment ago. It was Everett Barksdale on guitar for Steeman and Beeman, and I can't believe that you're in love with me. We will hear Jimmy Arthur Shirley on the next tune, which is Who's Sorry Now? That's a Sydney to Paris romper there. As I said, Sydney to Paris, Vic Dickinson, and Edmund Hall were uh, a front line that uh, made several, maybe numerous recording dates for, for Blue Note and probably worked together outside of the recording studios as well. They had a great rapport together and uh, could pull things uh, <laughs> together very well. I think they recorded under James P. Johnson name and under Edmund Hall's name. Of course, James P. Johnson is the pianist on this recording. And then we heard Jimmy Arthur Shirley uh, starting out uh, the whole performance on guitar, along with John Simmons and Sid Cabot. So a word about Blue Note Records. This was a recording label that was founded in 1939 by three men, Alfred Lyon, uh, Max Margulis, and Francis Wolfe. Max Margulis was kind of the money man. He was a, a, a left-wing um, writer and uh, financier, and uh, he believed in the music. He didn't get involved in the day-to-day -day operations of the label. That was left to Lyon and Wolf, and they were both childhood friends who had been born and raised in Berlin. They both came over to the United States at different times. Um, Francis Wolf also did a lot of the photography for some of the early Blue Note uh, sessions, and some of the pictures that came out of those are really, really wonderful. Uh, they started out, as I said, kind of as a, a they didn't know what they were going to be, if they were going to be a jazz label or a folk label or what. But fortunately for us, anyway, jazz won out. Their first recording session was uh, by uh, Albert Ammons and Mead Lux Lewis. We're going to hear a little Mead Lux Lewis coming up, by the way, doing Boogie Woogie Piano. Before they had a, a sort of a minor hit with Summertime, uh, the recording by Sidney Bechet in 1939. And that became uh, the direction that they went in for uh, the next eight or nine years or so, mostly with traditional jazz and swing players, such as Edmund Hall. After World War II, they started moving into the bebop arena and the more modern jazz arena. Ike Quebec was a fine um, uh, jazz tenor saxophone player who played with Cab Calloway and had a string of recordings of his own that were mostly late swing type recordings, uh, but he had an ear to the ground for modern jazz, and he became their uh, publicity or, um, or their talent scout, I should say, uh, for Blue Note Records, and he brought in people like uh, Thelonious Monk, who of course made a whole series of um, commercially disastrous but artistically successful recordings for Blue Note in the late 40s and early 50s. And then it went on to record Miles Davis and uh, John Coltrane and, of course, all of the wonderful Blue Note recordings in the hardbop period from the late 50s and into the 60s as well. But during the 1940s, um, first half up to 1946 or 7, uh, Blue Note was really a haven for traditional jazz. And Edmund Hall was clearly a favorite. He uh, uh, participated in, in numerous sessions, uh, at least two or three a year, I think, uh, for Blue Note. He was also very popular on Commodore Records, which had a slightly different outlook, but uh, uh, similarly employed musicians of this style. And we may do a program of Edmund Hall and Commodore coming up as well. We'll see about that. 
So our next tunes, our next two tunes, come from a very odd recording date from uh, February 5th of 1941. This is a, a, an early recording session, and uh, this features Edmund Hall with his Celeste Quartet. Celeste Quartet, an unusual name, uh, but it was uh, called that because it featured the Celeste, actually the Celesta uh, instrument. It has that sort of little bell-like sound. It was a piano keyboard, in this case played by Mead Lux Lewis, who I just mentioned, uh, Boogie Woogie pianist. We also have Israel Crosby on bass, who was kind of a legendary bass player from uh, Chicago. He was an African-American player who later went on to play with Art Tatum and uh, a lot of different players. He, he died quite young, but he had some some very fine uh, recordings to his credit uh, during his short life. Speaking of short lives, on guitar we have Charlie Christian, who died not too long after this recording was made. And this is an anomaly in Christian's um, discography in that he did not play electric guitar. He played acoustic guitar on this. So we get an idea of what he sounded probably in his earlier days. So we're going to hear two tunes from this uh, session, The Celestial Express and Profoundly Blue. We're going to be featuring a lot of blues on this uh, uh, set, so get ready. Don't be too sad, but enjoy them nonetheless. So those are our two Edmund Hall Celeste Quartet sides. Then we're going to have two by Edmund Hall and his Blue Note Jazz Men. And I don't usually like to play quite so many blues in a row, but these are just too good not to. This is from November, uh, November 29th, actually, of 1943. And this is... Uh, another band featuring that same uh, front line that I mentioned, De Paris, Dickinson, and Hall. And we'll get to hear some wonderful Sidney De Paris muted playing. He was really noted for his muted trumpet playing. And featuring also James P. Johnson, Jimmy Arthur Shirley, Israel Crosby, and Sidney Catlett. So we get a, an idea of the, uh, the house band musicians here at Blue Note Records. We are going to hear uh, the blues at Blue Note and Night Shift following that. So get ready for some beautiful blues and uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the other side. So those are our four tunes. Celestial Express, Profoundly Blue, Blues at Blue Note, and the Night Shift Blues.
just heard uh, another kind of a wide variety of musical settings, even in just the four tunes we heard, and all, all blues. We heard the Celestial Express and Profoundly Blue, done by Edmund Hall and his uh, Celestial Quartet, uh, featuring Meadlux Lewis on the Celesta, and Charlie Christian playing acoustic guitar, especially on that first one, Celestial Express. It was interesting to hear him do some of the figures that he would be doing on uh, electric guitar behind Benny Goodman and some of his sextet things as well. Uh, and Israel Crosby on bass and uh, fast blues and a slow blues. And Profoundly Blue, the second tune especially, is a marvelous feature for both Israel Crosby and Charlie Christian. And then Edmund Hall doesn't come in until about halfway through the record. Then we went to the Edmund Hall Blue Note Jazz Men, November of 1943, and we heard Blues at Blue Note and Night Shift Blues. The Blues at Blue Note uh, was a really uh, funky blues that uh, featured uh, Sidney de Paris doing some of his muted uh, uh, work there that he was renowned for, and of course Edmund Hall. It also featured Vic Dickinson on trombone playing a uh, an almost exact uh, version of the trumpet solo that Louis Armstrong did on two recordings with his uh, groups in the 1920s. The SOL Blues, which uh, ultimately was not released, and the follow-up to that, the Gully Low Blues, that uh, solo that he did where he started on a very high note and just sort of wended his way down based on the uh, chord changes and the notes available to him. And Vic Dickinson played an almost exact recreation of that solo. Another person who played that solo was uh, Joe Smith, the cornet player behind Bessie Smith on a recording that uh, they did in 1926 of Hard Drive and Papa. One of the tunes that we did not hear from that uh, recording date uh, with the Edmund Hall uh, All-Star Quintet, or excuse me, the Edmund Hall Blue Note Jasmine, was uh, Royal Garden Blues, on which Sidney de Paris, not to be outdone by Vic Dickinson, plays the Louis Armstrong slash King Oliver solo uh, of Dippermouth Blues on Royal Garden Blues, which is a blues in the same key. And uh, we may hear that, actually we will hear a version of that tune with a different trumpeter in this next set. So the last tune we heard was the Night Shift Blues, and that was a good after-hours blues that uh, had some interesting little effects in it. We had a, a, a trumpet solo, uh, open trumpet solo by Sidney de Paris, which was backed up by some very discreet riffing by uh, Vic Dickinson on trombone, and then they switched uh, roles, and uh, de Paris started playing some backup riffs for Vic Dickinson's solo. So that was almost in a very traditional New Orleans style of always keeping the melody going, even though there was no real melody on that. So four blues right there. So we're going to uh, cheer things up here a little bit with another blues, I hate to tell you, but a fast blues in this case. This is... Uh, uh, or will be two tunes uh, led by Art Hodes, the Chicago pianist. Art Hodes and his Blue Note Jazz Man. This is from June of 1944, and uh, this features a slightly different group, not too much so. We, of course, have Edmund Hall, um, 
and uh, we have Vic Dickinson on trombone, but instead of City to Paris, we have Max Kaminsky on trumpet. He from Boston, a white trumpet player who uh, had played in the big bands in the 1930s and had really made a name for himself playing with Eddie Condon starting in the uh, mid to late 1930s and going on from there. And he had just returned from uh, service in the South Pacific in World War II playing with Artie Shaw's service band, so he was in a, a playing mood, as we can tell. We also have Art Hodes on piano doing some of his very distinctive piano playing. Jimmy Arthur Shirley, again on guitar. I think he lived at the studio. Sid Weiss on bass and Danny Alvin on drums. And we are going to hear, to begin with, the Sugarfoot Stomp, a.k.a. the Dippermouth Blues, and we get to hear Max Kaminsky do the Louis Armstrong solo. Then we're going to do Squeeze Me, which was uh, a cleaned-up version of a tune called The Boy in the Boat uh, by Fats Waller. And uh, Squeeze Me, uh, we're not going to hear the lyrics, but as I said, they were cleaned up considerably from the original. A very good bluesy, but not a blues performance. Then we're going to hear and finish out with two tunes by James P. Johnson's Blue Note Jazz Men from October of 1944 with the same front line. Guess who? Sidney to Paris and Vic Dickinson and Edmund Hall. And uh, we'll hear two tunes uh, that they're going to do. Also featuring, of course, James P. Johnson on piano. James Arthur Shirley again on guitar. We heard a little bit of him on another podcast, by the way. Shirley played with the Herman Chittison Trio. He was a very uh, well-respected guitar player as well. who had a very long life. Uh, but I don't think he was ever featured on records as much as he was in, on Blue Note in these couple of years in the 40s. We will also hear Al Lucas on bass and Arthur Trappier on drums. And I picked two tunes from this four-tune um, session. That's basically what I've been doing. I've been taking one or two tunes out of four. So if they uh, appeal to you, you can go jump on YouTube and go find some other ones because they're all out there. And the two tunes we are going to hear are the Tishomingo Blues by Spencer Williams. Nice sort of bluesy but not a blues tune from uh, New Orleans in the 1920s. And we're going to end up with a Shelton Brooks tune called Walkin' the Dog. Walkin' the Dog was a dance step from the 1910s that never really took off but the song lived on um, as did some of Shelton Brooks' other songs like for example some of these days. But these two tunes will finish us up with our Edmund Hall on Blue Note program from the 1940s. Hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, we'll say our goodbyes when we come back, but uh, let's take a listen to Sugarfoot Stomp, Squeeze Me, Tishomingo Blues, and Walkin' the Dog.
So there we have Edmund Hall in the 1940s for Blue Note Records. And we started out that little set with Sugarfoot Stomp and Squeeze Me, featuring the talents of Vic Dickinson playing some very humorous trombone, especially on Squeeze Me. And Max Kaminsky, uh, happy to be back from the South Pacific, I'm sure. I think he remembered in his autobiography playing with a, 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 a grime-encrusted trumpet because it had gone through hell and back to get uh, get him to the South Pacific and then back again uh, before he could get a new horn. He had did a couple of recording dates. And then Edmund Hall. And for those of you uh, Reed geeks out there, Edmund Hall did an interview later in life where he remembered most of this period... During World War II, it was hard to get cane or wooden clarinet reeds, so he was using a plastic reed through most of this, and he said it was not easy, but uh, they worked all right. They were better than nothing, is basically what he said. We heard Art Hodes, the leader of that band. Art Hodes and his Blue Note Jazz men on piano, Jimmy Arthur Shirley, Sid Weiss, and Danny Alvin rounding out the rhythm section. And then we finished up with a really great session of... Uh, uncategorizable music. It's not traditional jazz or Dixieland, really. It's not 20s jazz. It's not swing. It's just what it is. It's these fine soloists all uh, communicating or communing on these fine old tunes. We have James P. Johnson's Blue Note Jazz Men. This was the latest session we played from October 26th of 1944. Sidney de Paris playing trumpet featured very well on Tishomingo Blues with his muted playing. Vic Dickinson again on trombone, Edmund Hall. James P. Johnson on piano featured on both numbers, Tishomingo and Walking the Dog. Again, Jimmy Arthur Shirley, Al Lucas, and Arthur Trappier. So, we've got a wonderful sense of some great jazzmen in the prime of life uh, in the 1940s uh, during the World War II years, but still recording some excellent jazz, uh, and I uh, hope you've enjoyed this program. My name is John Clark. We've gone over a little on this one because the pieces were a little bit longer, but I think it's worth listening to, and uh, hope you've enjoyed the jazz focus. As I said, we might do an Edmund Hall on Commodore Records later on. Who knows? That's, uh, I've just liked his playing so much for so long, I want to get it back out there. So... That's our Edmund Hall program, and this is the Jazz Focus, and we hope to see you on the other side.